Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. If you change your mind, it's all great. That's perfect. I had that posters all over my room. Except I covered up the yawn. Such a happy song. How about that one? What do you think about that, PJ? Love it. Love it. All right. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another, if nothing else, entertaining installment of Geoholics Anonymous. And thanks to Diamondback Land Surveying for being the premier sponsor of our home away from home, being the Diamondback Land Surveying studio. Absolutely love this place. Uh, Mark, you're pretty impressed, right? Walking in for the first time. Yeah, it's pretty fancy. New microphones, new mixers, new art on the walls. Mm. It's the place to be. Yep, we've, yeah. uh, we've upgraded in a number of ways. But the one thing we have not upgraded is Producer Jake. So, mm-hmm. Producer Jake, tell us about that opening number. All right, that is Take a Chance on Me by ABBA. Uh, ABBA, whose name is made up of the initials of the four members' first names, Agnetha, Bjorn, Benny, and Annie Frid, was one of the biggest pop groups of the 1970s. Forming in 1972, the Swedish band burst onto the world stage two years later with their mega-hit Waterloo. Uh, they are one of the best-selling music artists in, of all time, with record sales estimated to be between 150 and 385 million sold worldwide. Not sure why that range is so large. Um, the group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. Very good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have an ABBA story, unfortunately. No, I do appreciate the. Sounds music, like we though. might have one over here, though. Unfortunately, uh, my mother in the Ford Fiesta with the eight-track would mind-numbingly play it repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, as a child, wherever we went. Yes, and then carry on with the 45 and make me put it in exactly the spot where the car finished off. So, <laughs> torturous. Yeah. So, yes, if you play ABBA with me on a date night, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, that's good to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. All right, as you know, this is our roundtable formatted discussion on topics that are of interest to our very diverse group of listeners. That being said, we've got another really great show lined up for you and one that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. So but before we get to that, a couple house cleaning items. We, of course, could not do this without the brains of the operation being here, that being producer Jake. What's up, PJ? Anything new? Um, nothing new, but I just wanted to tell a quick story given um, our topic tonight is going to be poker. This is like me and my buddies when we were middle school, high school. I mean, we started playing Hold'em when we were pretty little and we'd stay up late and even just last weekend we stayed up super late but one of our big things was and Jamie I'm not sure if you know this but there was this TV show that used to be on when we were in high school it was like this reality TV show was called two months two million and it was these four guys online poker players that lived in this house in Vegas and their goal was to live there for two months and make two million dollars wow so uh, we used to watch that, and we were so excited, and we'd figure out how to ways to get online and put different addresses in because it was blocked in Arizona and where we could play. And, um, yeah, so the Holden's been – we've always been playing that, and even as of to last weekend. So this is this is cool for me. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you're here for uh, for this one especially. Our regular co-host, uh, Big Shoots, is off, making his wife, the lovely Carrie, happy on their 10th wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary. Mm-hmm. Happy anniversary, them. Shoots. Yeah, happy yep, anniversary. Happy anniversary. That being the case – uh, you're most likely familiar with our co- our guest co-host this evening, Mr. Mark Taylor. He was on episode four and actually on Geoholics Anonymous episode two. Yes. I so you basically uh, Geoholics OG. Oh, yeah. Making I've his been. long-awaited return this evening. I know. I've been begging Kent for months <laughs> <Yeah>. now. 
<laughs> oh my word! All I do, I just keep playing ABBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Bye bye. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here, buddy. I, uh, I appreciate it. It's a privilege. All right, so let's get this started. Our guest this evening um, is a professional poker player and member of Party Poker Team Online from Alberta, Canada, who specializes in live streaming of online multi-table tournaments on Twitch, where he has well over 100,000 followers. His online tournament net winnings exceed $1 million. He is a vlogger. A what? Whatever that means. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, wait, that's not how you say it? That's not how you say it? No. What is it, PJ? Vlogging. Vlogging. That makes no freaking sense, but okay. Uh, so his vlogging, uh, he documents various minutia of life as a poker player, as well as his attempts to lose weight and quit smoking. Speaking of losing weight, this, is, <laughs> this has got to be a great story. On mm. March 25th, 2018, Jamie and his brother Matt won a $150,000 prop bet with Bill Perkins, we'll find out who that is, by weighing within one pound of each other precisely a year after the commencement of the bet. Wow. That's incredible. Jamie. Jamie Staples is our guest. Jamie, thanks so much for being here. This is awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. I mean, what an intro. I love this. Let's just do this all day. Uh, <laughs> pleasure, pleasure to uh, join the show. Yep. Great having you. Tell us about that prop bet. Everybody's wondering right now. The prop bet was a crazy the craziest year of my life for sure so coming into this bet i am on an experience called streamboat and so we're streaming in the virgin islands and bill perkins is a new friend of mine that i met at a poker tournament through a mutual friend and he invites us down to come and stream on his boat which is already like you know i'm a i'm a prairie boy right like i shouldn't get anywhere near a yacht in my life at all and i'm streaming on twitch on a boat and, and so I'm there with my little brother. It's kind of surreal. We're live streaming. And I'm a big guy at this point. I'm 306 pounds, 310 pounds. My brother is about 120. Oh, my god, 120, 130. And, and how, yeah. how much younger oh. is he? he? He's five years younger. Okay. Yeah. And he does the same thing. He's a poker pro and streamer. Huh. So, you know, we're hanging out. We're chatting. And we're live streaming on Twitch. And someone in the chat says, how crazy would it be if Jamie and, and Matt were the same weight? And Bill Perkins, our new friend that's pretty successful guy, says, I'll give you 50 to one odds. <laughs> he snaps it off like that. <laughs> and I look at Matt, you know, and I just know, like, those are big odds. You know, <laughs> like, you do, you do almost anything for 50 to one odds, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, I look back at him and, well, how much can we, how much can we bet you? And he's like, uh, 3,000. And I was like, we got to do it. And we did it. So that, that was what? the start of the bet. So and what was, what was the final weight there then? Uh, 189.4. Oh my was the God. So you lost like a ton and he gained a good, a good chunk too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I lost like 115 <laughs> in a year or so. And then he gained like 65 or something. I forget the exact numbers, wow. but it was an insane, an insane year of, uh, I mean, yeah, it was just over the top, dude. Like it was just like too intense, basically. I so mean, was I your brother bulking up and. Or was he yes. just eating carbs? Oh, he was bulking up. Both. Wow. Yeah. What I mean, was harder? Working out every day. Was it harder to lose the weight or gain the weight? It's got to be gain. I mean, I think both. Both. Like, you know, he, like the pain of him, you know, just eating like double the calories he wants to every day and then sleeping for three or four hours in the afternoon because he's <laughs> just so full. And then me, like I'm eating 1,300 calories and doing oh like two God. hours of cardio. Mm. For Unreal. Months. Did you guys live together at the time? 
Yes. Wow. Yeah, we, we were traveling around actually. That's awesome. During the year, so it was it was intense, man. I don't think I'd do it again, honestly. Like if I could go back in time, I don't think I would book it. It was yep. just so extreme. Yeah. But I didn't know that, you know, going in. It's just like. And uh, yeah. your your new friend, Mr. Perkins, he didn't hesitate to uh, ante up on that one. No, he paid it out. Yeah, he paid it out. He's he's a good That's awesome. guy. We made him a further bet the next year to get down to 10% body fat. Oh, wow. We did not make it. So he, he recouped some of his, uh, his money on the second go around. Oh man, that's so cool. So, so what did you do with the money? Did you go out for dinner? Uh, you know, I think we were both just so exhausted. We didn't really, we didn't really do much after, after it ended. It was just like, Oh man, thank God that's over. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't buy anything special. I don't mm-hmm. think it was just part of the bankroll and like, you know, yeah. Bankroll. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe a new wardrobe had to go to that. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, true, crazy, true. crazy. Yeah. So as uh, producer Jake alluded to a little bit earlier, our uh, our topic tonight is all things poker. So uh, and, uh, and, and and Jamie is a great person to talk to about this. So well, let's just get it started with the basics. You know, how did you get started playing poker? So when I was around, uh, like when I was growing up in high school, I wanted to be a pro golfer, um, and you know, I turned eighteen. I was around a scratch handicap. Mm. Kind of realized I wasn't going to be Tiger Woods, which was devastating mm. at the time. Um, but I found poker at the same time. I was like, wait a second. Okay, so, you know, I'm only hitting at 270 off the tee. Really annoys me that the guys are so big and strong out here and I can't get over that advantage. Poker is with my mind. Wait a second. This is cool. Like I can compete with my brain. Mm. So that really intrigued me as a young guy. Mm. Um, and I was just like really dumb and arrogant 18 year old, I think. Right. Like I had some success, you know, trying it out and I just decided like, okay, I'm going to do this full time. I quit my job. You know, I'm living at home at my parents' house. I got like 2000 bucks to my name. I'm just like, okay, I'm done. You know, like I'm, I'm a poker pro now. I told all my friends like a classic 18 year old mistake to make, I think. Um, but it kind of worked out for me, you know, like I, I didn't, I've never had a job since, you know, beyond that and, uh, sort of learned and, and grew from there. But that's the origin story, just like sort of completely naive, like, oh, I'm just going to win at this game and let's give it a go. Wow. So how many years ago was that? I'm 30 now. So oh, okay. 12 years. Man, oh man, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so jealous of this lifestyle already. <laughs> 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 Jesus. All right. So, uh, so, you know, the obvious question is then, you know, when did you realize that you, you know, you had what it took to become a professional poker player? And it was 18. Really? Well, see, yeah, that's the thing. That, that's <laughs> you, it. I thought I had success, it, and I right didn't. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, in my brain, I was just—I was so, you know, cocky. I didn't have any reason to believe that I was going to be good enough to do this. Mm. But I, you know, I was just young. And then, as I got better, I learned how bad I was. But I was getting better as I was doing that. So pretty much the whole time, I had belief in myself. It wasn't justified for about half of it. But yeah. Mm. <laughs> Wow, I guess you have to have a little bit of that that cockiness or arrogance, right? Absolutely. I mean, he, Jamie summed it up for me. He said it's about using your brain, which is why I suck at poker and played it once and gave up. I don't understand <laughs> it, but I can play blackjack because it's yep. really easy. It's 21. But aren't you really good at reading people, though? Uh, I guess. I mean, from what I watched on television, but everyone wears those silly large Kazal mirrored glasses and well, low hats. So how do you? Yeah, see well, the reading people doesn't really matter when you're playing online too. I mean, I guess oh, you can yeah, you can true, you can download right. their habits and understand what they do when they do it and, and use that against you. But there's yeah. no body language or uh, tells that way. Yeah, yeah. So Jamie, I'm curious. Did you have like any mentors as 
you know, this, this progressed? They've changed a lot over time. So in the beginning, you know, I read a couple of poker books, went to the local bookshop and bought, you know, whatever was for sale. I think it's Daniel Negroni's small ball and like super system and some hmm. Philhamith books. Um, but then I got involved in some online communities, which have been the biggest influence. I think back then it was like a two plus two training site um, or a deuces crack training site, excuse me, and forums. I mean, the game evolves and people talk mainly online nowadays when it comes to uh, poker learning. So I just hopped into some of those communities and, and chatted with them. Wow. And like the, like the poker community, are, is it a pretty, pretty helpful community? Like everybody's there to help each other out or is it, is it cutthroat in some way? It is quite helpful, actually. And I think it's because poker players understand that for the game to be successful in the long run, we need enthusiasts to come in and try the game, right? Like that is, is earning the, the living for the people at the top is the people that come and try and they fail, but they have fun and that's it. So I think most of the community is quite open and, and down to help people and introduce them to the game and, and share some of their knowledge. Um, there is that, that other side too, which is like, there's some arrogance in poker, right? There's a very like alpha mentality. There's some cockiness. So some of that comes through sometimes as well. I mean, it's a mixed bag, right? It's a lot of people. Gotcha. If you don't mind, how much of it is math? Cause I had an experience a couple of months ago with a friend of mine. She's a, uh, a girl, obviously she's she, and she was getting irritated. And I came back to the table and she, when there was a break, she looked at this guy and goes, why do you keep bluffing on nines and threes? And he goes, what? And she goes, how, how'd you know I had nines and threes? She goes, cause that's what I do. And he got fed up and he didn't come back after the break huh. and he left what was on the table, whatever it was like 150, 200 bucks. That's but amazing. How, how much of it is really for her? She says it's all math and I can count cards. Well, can you? Is that how it works? I don't know. I'm a neophyte, so help me understand that. So yeah, in, in poker, it, so there is no counting cards specifically because it's only one deck. So there's right. 52 cards in the deck. You know, we know that there's 13 of each suit, right? And there's four kings in the deck and stuff. So there's no counting really needed. But in, <coughs> in terms of the math part of it, um, it's a big part of the game. You know, it's the engine underneath poker. We know there's 52 cards. Mm -hmm. We make some assumptions about human beings that we're playing with. Mm -hmm. And and we operate from there. So so math is the underlying engine behind everything in poker. But on the face of it, the front of it, it's all about people, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's human being versus human being and trying to understand people with very limited information. And so, yeah. That is so interesting. So like when you play the same people, you know, over and over again, I guess you get to kind of get to know their, their methods or their, their way of thinking. And it kind of gives you maybe some sort of an advantage. Is that, is that a correct statement? Exactly. Yeah. So a good example is, is like a very basic assumption we could make is let's say there's eight people at the table and you play some poker with a, with a group of people and you play with them often and you see someone raise as the first person at the table. Right. Now a reasonable assumption to make there is that they don't have do seven. Right. That's the worst hand in poker. Yeah. Now, of course, it's possible within the rules of the game for them to have do seven, but we know some things about them. We know that they play a lot of poker. They probably want to play good poker. They probably don't have do seven. And all of a sudden, we've gone from the 1,250 combos or so, and we've eliminated one. So we've made an assumption that is smaller than what is possible, right? There's a first simple strategy. They probably don't have do seven. And it just goes from there, right? The, you can get more specific and more exact and, and 
and yeah, so that's kind of the the game. So you mentioned the fifty-two card deck, and obviously you're you're playing online, and a majority of people really that have, have had fame are, are playing online right now. And obviously, there's a lot of money at stake in, in these tournaments. What? How? How? How do we know that when you're playing online, you're playing with a true fifty-two card deck? Is there any sort of like security or back something that we can see transparency into that? To, to where we know that what you're drawing and what's coming on the flop and the turn, the river are is coming out of a true 52 card deck. Yeah. So m most of the big sites in the world, right? Like the one that I am sponsored by party poker, uh, other big ones in the world, like poker stars, for example, these are publicly traded regulated companies. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're regulated by gaming boards all around the world, like in the UK or in the Isle of Man or Gibraltar um, to where they have to essentially prove that their software is in fact, fair right mm. um now one of the oldest excuses and debates you will hear in your card room i guarantee people listening to this are are disagreeing with me already because almost everyone will blame ah oh, the game is fixed and that's rigged mm -hmm. against me right like we've all heard that about poker it it doesn't stand up for the the first obvious reason but then the second reason is that the business interests of everyone involved is for the game to be fair uh, and safe like that's the most important thing as a consumer right you don't want to play in a not fair game and the ability for poker professionals and players to look at, you know, a hundred million hands and take a look and see, okay, is everything working out here? Right. We can check that sort of stuff as a player base. So everything is aligned for the, the game to be fair and safe. Mm -hmm. You're still going to get people that use that as an excuse of like, ah, oh, I can't win because, because they decided that I want that guy to lose his $10 in this small cash game instead of running a safe game. It doesn't make any sense, but you know, that's, that's a conversation you're going to see in poker. Of course. I think it's interesting. The countries you mentioned all have tax haven laws. Is there a particular reason for that? Because it's technically offshore gaming. How does that work? Yeah. So I, I think party poker, my company, it's definitely regulated within the UK, but they have an office in Gibraltar. Mm -hmm. uh, I know some of the other companies have, have offices in Alaman. I think there's definitely operations in different countries around the world. Malta is another one. Uh, they do tend to group around the small island nations for reasons that's above my pay grade as to why <laughs> that is the right business decision. But yeah. Alaman is definitely a tax haven. A lot of the uh, <laughs> old uh, rock stars have an abode there yeah. so they can mitigate taxes. Sure, yeah. the Beatles are out there, for sure. Uh, he has his own <laughs> island. I've forgotten what yeah. it's called. He grows pot <laughs> yeah. on it. He's got uh, his own rules. <laughs> yeah, he's got his own rules. He's a sovereign nation, Sir Paul McCartney. Yes. Oh, man. I'll do... Uh, you know what? I want to go to that uh, Isle of Man motorcycle race. So, oh, so bad. Oh, yeah. That's <coughs> awesome. Man, oh, man. I, I'm sorry I got off track there, but... That's all right. What you got, PJ? So, Jamie, did you, did, did you recognize when I was talking about that two months, two million show? Did you remember that back in the day? It's a classic. Yeah. What a great show. Yeah. Amazing. Would yeah. You, would I mean, you ever want to do like, something it like that? Inspired, it inspired me as well. Oh, well. Mm. I mean, I would love to, but I'm not going to win two million in two months. Like, I mean, those guys were on another level than I was, you know, and this was like eight, nine years ago, but they were playing in some of the biggest online games. And this is when poker was regulated in the U.S. and, and like, or completely open. It was operating in the U.S., uh, not regulated. So, you know, people would go down to Vegas for three months for the World Series of Poker and they play online in between tournaments, right? It was huge. That doesn't happen anymore. So mm, I yeah. can't count me in, but I'm not going to make two million in two months. That's for sure. I'm not good enough. You know? mm. Wow. And, that's and, interesting. Not good enough. 
you, you, you talk about uh, regulated in the U.S. too. So famously, obviously, Black Friday. Did that affect you being up in Canada at all, or or how has that affected you since since that's happened? Yes, yeah. So I was <laughs> I was living in a basement suite. I think I was paying five hundred bucks a month, and I'm pretty sure my bankroll at this time was like six thousand dollars. To give you a sense of like what my life looked like at the moment, it was very rambunctious. Uh, kind of time that was about 10 years ago now. Right. So I would have been 20 or 21 mm -hmm. and, uh, I had some money on full tilt poker and poker stars. And I got the money back as a Canadian on full tilt or on poker stars, like within the week. Um, but I had about probably like half the money that I had to my name on full tilt, which was locked up for maybe four months in Canada. Mm. So I just, you know, I had a couple thousand bucks in bills, but I, for some reason, had no stress whatsoever at this point in my life. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to play two and $3 tournaments. And I did, and I got it up to 10K and I paid my bills. And uh, I mean, it's so surreal to look back as a 30-year-old at that game plan, but it worked. And, and that was that, you know? So crazy. So kind of going back just a little bit and talking about, you know, um, the challenges of uh, online game playing. Um, and I guess this is a challenge for live poker as well. But, you know, how do you like, like someone like myself, I mean, I dabbled with online poker about two years ago. And I mean, not that I was a good poker player by any means, because I was taking all these crazy chances and stuff like that. You know, I mean, right. how do you how do you get around players like that that are they don't they just don't they don't know what they don't know, but yet they somehow find a way to miraculously pull this stuff off? Yeah, so like poker is such a frustrating game when you're new to it because you can do the right thing and have the wrong outcome, mm. and that's a really normal thing. You know, like like you need to go into poker expecting okay, I'm going to make the right decision and I'm going to get punished for it. And that's going to happen like every day, multiple times a day when you're playing online. And it's, that's not weird, right? It, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're flipping a coin and you can add 5% to one side to where it's going to come up heads 55%, that's really what you're doing by playing good poker. But, but, but people expect like, oh, I've done the right thing. I'm supposed to win here, you know? Mm. Supposed to win 100%. That's not how it is. You're just turning the odds in your favor, but you still need to go through that short-term gamble. And that's that's a mental game thing that new players need to get their head around of like, I'm just improving the odds for myself here. I still got to flip the coin. Mm -hmm. and that, that's really, and, and that comes down to, again, managing your money, right? You can't put everything on one flip because you're going to go broke. It doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world, you're going to lose those flips sometimes. So it's like, well, if I have enough money for 10,000 flips, I'll be okay. You know, I'll be mm. able to weather those bad stretches. And that's, that's all the learning process of, of getting into poker. So it sounds like discipline is really, really important. And, and I think having enough money to ride out the storm. Yeah. yeah it's all about bankroll. Well, it's like, you know, it's like sports gambling, you know, like yeah. you can have a, a really shitty run and then, you know. You got to have enough to get back on your horse yep, and get yep. it going. Or it's law just, of averages. Yeah. Or you throw out Hail Mary bets and hope for the best. Chase them. You got to chase. chase. Em. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. So, so Jamie, what about your your setup? So, like we've seen videos before of guys in these war rooms who are paying, playing fifteen hands at once on fifteen different tables. What's what's your go to? How many how many different tables are you sitting in at once? Do you like to focus on one, or are you spread out all over the place? I'm usually playing six. Six is kind of my my normal spot, um, <laughs> which may seem like a lot. Like I started with one table, but when when you start to play a little bit more, you know, let's think we pick up that seven two right at the first of the table. 
we, we can just fold that without thinking about it. You know, it's so automatic. Like it just, there's nothing, there's no brain process going on with that. It's just like fold. So when you, when you get up to six tables, you'll, you'll only have one hand. That's really kind of where you're having to make decisions at a time. So that's kind of like my sweet spot. Um, oh. And I, I have like a big 34 inch monitor, so I make them big and yeah, it's fine. That's so awesome. Man, the brain power that has to go along with that. It's just unbelievable. Oh, my head hurts. Crazy, crazy. So what are the like what are the specific challenges to online poker that maybe you don't experience with uh you know with live poker? Well, you don't have that extra, you know, face-to-face aspect that you have with live poker where you can really size someone up and get a sense for how they're feeling and and maybe a little slice of who they are and, and what might it tendencies they might have as a person, right? You know, like if you have old man Charles knock up to the table, you know, and, and he's sitting down and he's on his third cup of tea and he's been there for four hours and he played one hand, that's really useful information. And we can know, okay, Charles went all in. Charles has got a good hand, you know? Old man, like we, we know Charles isn't bluffing, right? Oh. Or the young 22-year-old having some drinks, he's going out to a sporting event in an hour. Like he's ready to blow all of his money before he goes to the, the event. Yep. You don't have that. So- Online poker is a lot more about the fundamentals and and the mathematics and the strategy of just playing good, solid, fundamental poker. Um, And and the mathematics of like, you know, what's a good amount of hands to raise here or to raise here? What's bluffing way too much? Like that's the best part about online poker. And what people don't realize is when you go to the casino and you play in person, you might get 25 or 30 hands of poker in an hour. That's it. And oh. if you're playing with nine people, that, be, that might mean you get four times to play a hand in an hour. Mm. And that's, that's, that's all you get, right? Um, online, you're getting 80 hands an hour per table. Wow. So mm. getting 360 hands an hour, get a lot more practice mm. to get good at the game playing online. Yeah, so that was always the biz, big statistic back in the day that per, experienced or professional players will play 15% of the time or 15% of hands. Does that still hold true for when you're playing your six tables? You're, you're only playing 15, 15% on average? A little bit more now, a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive. So like, you know, around 25% hands oh. per table, something in there. So it's a quarter of your hands, 80 an hour. So you're playing 20 per table or so. Um six tables, I guess that's 120 hands an hour or about one every half minute or so is when you're involved in one. Crazy. So, I mean, is there such thing as being like a poker prodigy or does it ultimately still boil down to just experience and becoming a veteran player? I think there, there is poker prodigies and, and phenoms and guys that are, are young and, but get good really quickly. And, hmm. and crush and make a ton of money. A guy that comes to mind is Landon Tice, actually. He's, he's uh, I think he's 18 or 19. Wow. And he just played a heads-up challenge against the aforementioned Bill Perkins, actually, where they were playing high stakes. Um, I mean, he's a really young guy that's gotten really good really fast. Um, but the phenoms are good at, at studying the game. They're not, they don't just come with the answers. Hmm. They, they're really good at figuring out how to find out the answers and to learn those quickly. Um, so it's, it's not something you're just born with knowing the right answer all the time, knowing how to get the answer. I think that's, those are the phenoms, know how to get to it. Mm-hmm. 
What kind of like uh, the the Wasop guys or who 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 are you like looking up to as far as the celebrities go? I remember when we were when we were younger, Phil Hellmuth was like the guy. He's kind of like the Conor McGregor of poker and all sorts <laughs> of crazy YouTube videos and him freaking out. And what, what kind of guys are you interested in in that sphere? I think the all time classic for me is is Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, I mean he's a guy that when I got into it, I bought his book. Right, he was at the top of the game twelve years ago and competing in the highest, you know, the biggest tournaments. And 12 years later, he's still competing in the biggest tournaments. He can go head to head, some of the best. I mean, he's not the best poker player in the world, right? He's not in the top 50 online guys, but he's a guy that has played the game over decades and played in the highest stakes tournaments and cash games and held his own. And probably one of the most financially successful guys in the game as well, given he's been in it for that long. So. That's the guy for me. I mean, he's done everything. Yeah, he was a big one there too. What was it? Is Kid Poker or what were they? What they used to call him? Oh yeah, yes, Kid Poker. Yeah, it's funny you uh, compared uh, Helmuth to Conor McGregor. Yeah, there's probably plenty of people that want to break his lower leg too. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we used to watch those YouTube videos of him freaking out and his wife's there trying to calm him down and. Those are, so yeah, those are some of the best where he just gets burnt on a bad hand. Speaking of, I mean, Jamie, do you remember any, any that stick out of ones that you'll never be able to forget of just a terrible, terrible beat? So I mostly play tournaments, so I don't have any of those really sick cash game, like huge pot ones. <laughs> but I think probably one of the most painful tournament ones was I was at European Poker Tour in Barcelona. We were down to about 70 players or so at first place is is 1.5 million euros or something like it's a lot mm-hmm. a lot of money right right now we have 20,000 euros locked up or something but that's serious life-changing situation going on mm-hmm. sure. and we're close um i flopped a set of twos so three twos and the board was jack six two oh. against a guy named ben heath he was really good and it's not a bad beat because i actually had the worst hand he flopped a set of sixes anyways so mm. we got all the money in. This was on a TV table. So it was on TV and a live stream and stuff. And and I busted the tournament in 60th. It's just one of those hands that's a little painful because, wow. you know, if you avoid that, this the the run might be worth $100,000 or so. That's and crazy. it just went to zero like that. So that was... That was a painful one. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, when we talk about only playing 15 to 25% of hands. Yeah. There's got to be a ton of times that you flop something that you think's garbage, you don't want to push or be aggressive with, and then here comes the flop and the turn in the river, and it's a killer hand. Um, yes. That is that you know? Do you ever even pay any mind to that of shoulda woulda coulda, or just you just keep on moving? I don't. I don't do the shoulda woulda coulda because it's it's a long term percentage game. You know, it, like in every poker hand, even when you're playing against good opponents, sometimes they're gonna bluff you off the best hand, and if you're never getting bluffed, you're a bad poker player. You need to get bluffed sometimes. Oh, wow. You can't always be right. Interesting, yeah. If you're trying to always be right, you're just going to be way more wrong uh, way more often. So it's not about hmm. being perfect. It's about having the right frequencies, the right percentages, and making profitable long-term decisions. Um, but yeah. So it's, It just sounds just like trading stocks. You know, 20% of the time you're right, 80% of the time you're wrong, and your portfolio will grow as long as you're getting out at the right time, which is mm. no different than folding. Yeah, um, and with a bankroll too, because you yeah. got to have an army of some cash to back it up on yeah. your 80% yeah. wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Here's a pretty good good thing I think to illuminate like playing tournaments specifically for a living is some of the best tournament players in the world they only cash 20% of the time. Now if you don't analyze that you're like okay so wait Daniel Negreanu only cashes one fifth of the time how's anyone winning money in this thing right like mm-hmm. you, you're telling me that you go to a cas- uh, casino you play a tournament for three days and four out of five times you're going home with zero dollars you know but that's the reality for the best in the world. Wow. It's just that when, when you have those caches, you know, the first place might be 200x the min buy. When you lose, you only lose one. Right. So that's, that's, that's how it works. You'll have this downward, I'm losing money, losing money, losing money. Whoa, I just made three years worth of money. Losing wow. money, losing money. You know, that's how it works. Mm. Well, yeah, you can really get into those runs there for a while. I mean, even on that TV show we used to watch, there'd be days or weeks where these guys would be down, 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 down. And they'd be on tilt and they'd be freaking out. Like, h- yeah. how have you learned to kind of manage those those days or weeks or even months that where you can't make anything happen? You're on tilt and you're trying to chase. How do you, how do you con- control that? Actually, to interject, I think the real question is, how does your wife tolerate it? <laughs> <laughs> she must yeah, be right. freaking out. <clears throat> she's okay. She she plays a bit of poker herself. She's yeah, She gambles nice. a bit as well. So she's, she's all right with the swings. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think... Like high level poker players are really stoics. Like they focus on only what they can influence. And that's really the philosophy of, of playing high level poker is all I can do is impact my decision right now. So if we have a solid bankroll management and financial plan, oh. we just focus on our decisions and try and make profitable decisions and let the rest take care of itself. That's tough to do as a human being, like it's real money. But that's, you know, the best players really practice that and, and get good at that of process over result input instead of what actually happens. Just like, what can I do to create success? That's a, that's a pretty good takeaway there. Focus on what you can influence. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. And what I think another takeaway that I'm getting for the last, uh, you know, 10 minutes of conversation is you gotta have a short memory. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta have a short memory. I mean, you can't let this stuff get to you, you know, I mean. Yeah. Just got to forget about it, no doubt. There's actually, that's funny that you say that because uh, on our last episode, we had talked about Ted Lasso and there was kind of a funny line that he had there when he's a, he, so he's a coach of these mm-hmm. soccer players uh-huh. and he had a line where one of his, his players had messed up and him as the coach goes up to him and asks him what his favorite animal was or something like that. I don't remember how exactly it goes, but he said a goldfish because they have yeah. such a short memory. Uh, so they just bounce right back up. Yeah, mm-hmm. eight seconds. So mm-hmm. nice. um, good little quote there. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like show. it. I love Ted Lasso. Awesome <laughs> show. Season two coming player. out soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got the positive mentality you would need to be a high level poker player. I think <laughs> ultimate optimist. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, Jamie, you mentioned, you know, caches and stuff like that. Hopefully I'm not out of line by asking this, but you know, what, what's your biggest, you know, cash or score to date? It was this year, actually. It was about a month and a half ago. It was a WPT 500. It was called, it was an online event at party poker a lot of live tournaments have moved online over the last you know year and a half of the pandemic um so yeah i got second place in the tournament for 105,000 oh, uh, which was my biggest biggest ever over over 12 years um before that it was 35k oh, wow. and a lot of my friends were you know in the six figure range so it was really my biggest frustration with my career is like <laughs> hey you know, I'm doing okay, but like, why haven't I had that big? Yeah, you got to bag six figures. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I hate it, dude. It's the best feeling. I mean, I'm just free rolling life now. No matter what happens. You're done. You know, I got there. I That's got awesome. there. I hit the six figure. Yeah. Mm. Crazy. So I have, well, seven figures next. 
I don't know how many bags or seven figures. That's yeah, it's with soft stuff. Yeah. (laughs) When did you get Uh, a bracelet? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't got those yet. It's it's a little bit of a weird spot with taxes in Canada Mm -hmm. in in going down to the series because they withhold and. Wow. I I don't know. I haven't been focusing on it yet, but maybe later in life I'll I'll get on the World Series grind. Have, Have you gone down there though before, and sat? Yeah. Yeah. I played the main event one year. Uh, and I played maybe like five side events or something like that, just to wow. get in the mix. You know, you got you're a poker player. You, you want to check play out World the of poker at yeah. some point. I yeah. always feel like, especially it, it, there might be even more about the atmosphere, right? Going to sit at main event and, and trying to play that. It's a really special tournament. There, there is no other tournament like the main event. It's, uh, you know, they play the intro music, but the great thing is that every table has their hometown heroes there, right? You have the mm. leagues that happen where they send the winner and they go play. And you can really feel that in the main event at the world series. It's uh, every card room's got their ringers that are out there trying. You got the online guys, you got the old guard. It's everyone coming together, this universal game to try for the glory. I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, it's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's gotta be awesome. Um, just going to ask you something. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned like, you know, crossing the border, that type thing. And I think I know the answer to this question, but how, how has COVID affected, uh, you know, the online game? Things got really hyped for a while. You know, it was, it was a pretty active time and that everyone around the world was, you know, at home and, and not doing anything, um, especially in Europe as well. Like it, it really picked up a lot because people were, you know, something that most people have done in the world. They've played some online poker before. They might not be regularly doing it, but when you're in your house for two weeks straight, Mm. uh, you know, people try again. So yeah, it it was pretty active. I think it's more settled down to where it was before or so now. Um, And some governments were really sort of restrictive in regards of wanting to make sure they protect their, their citizens and put in some, some um, rules to ensure that people weren't abusing uh, online gaming and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an exciting time. There was a lot of action and like people were having fun. So it's been a good year and a half for, for online poker. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess to follow up on that too. I mean, there's had to have been a ton of in-person players that switched to online during that time yeah. just to keep playing, get their fix. And how, how does, if I'm an in-person dominant player and now I'm entering this online sphere, is that a whole different atmosphere, whole different dimension or any of my skill is going to transfer over to the online game. Yeah, it's still, it's still cards. It's still a human being and two cards, right? But I think it is, it's often another level. And the reason is that speed thing, right? Like the 25 hands versus 80 hands. Oh. So if you take me and you, and let's say you've been a live player, you've played at the casino all year, and I've played online for a year, I'm going to be better, not because I'm smarter, but because I've had maybe like 15 times more experience of actually playing hands and access to, to learning and online communities that are sharing information to, to learn the game and get better. So I think the standard of play is higher. Um, the pace and, is and definitely higher as well, huh? For sure. Yeah. You go to the casino, you can't play a game for $10. Yeah. You know, the casino is going to go broke. <laughs> They're not going to make any money on that. So they have to start their cash games with a hundred dollar buy-in minimum. You know, and their tournaments with a $50 buy-in minimum. Online, you can play a $1 tournament. You can play a $2 buy-in cash game. So that allows the the standard of play, people to move down and play for really small stakes when they're not very good. That doesn't work live. 
So interesting. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of times how, you know, online poker obviously is an international community at this point. Um, I don't, I don't know, maybe this is a crazy question, but do different regions of the world maybe play differently or is, mm. is it a, a, you know, a pretty consistent mindset? Yeah, so the, the, there's little reads you can make, right? There's small reads and tendencies of, of general cultures that you can sort of apply to, mm. to poker playing, but they're not a very reliable statistic. You want to use something else if you can. But if it's close, you know, and a Brazilian guy is all in, you're just like, Brazilians have heart. They're probably going for it. Like, oh, flip a coin. Okay, sure. <laughs> They're ready to go for it, right? And the Brazilians are known for having passion and heart and really, you know, yeah. going for it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to a Canadian, the passive kind Canadian, uh, they're probably a little tight, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be something you could learn. Or Interesting. You go to another country that's really wealthy country playing in a tournament, thinking, okay, they might have some money to splash around here. Whereas if it's, you know, let's say they're in Ukraine or something where the standard of living is much smaller and they're playing a hundred dollar tournament. Well, that, that is a significant feat in Ukraine Mm -hmm. to have a bankroll to be able to play that level. So Mm -hmm. that player's probably better, right? Like those sort of things, but it's a, it's a small, you want better data than Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Gotcha. So you mentioned your sponsor a couple of times, you know, talk about, Talk about, you know, who, who your sponsors are and maybe, you know, the, the platforms that, uh, you know, that you prefer and promote. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a member of Party Poker Team Online. I've been with them for uh, about two and a half years now. So Party Poker is one of the biggest poker companies in the world. They've been around, I think, since around 2004 or so. Quite a long time. Um, so I've, I've been with their team online. My brother's on my team team as well. And uh hmm. And, and a couple other professionals. And primarily we focus on creating poker content by like streaming it, making YouTube videos and stuff and trying to share the game to hopefully a new generation of, of poker players or people that have never tried the game or experienced it and want to learn about it before they try. That's kind of our goal is to be an ambassador for the game generally. Hmm. Really good. I know you're super passionate about being a uh, poker ambassador as well. I know we talked about Twitch and YouTube. Can you expand on that a little bit? It's it's an intimidating game, I think, if you've never played. I don't know if you guys remember the first time, you know, trying to play poker, but I was really scared because I felt like I should know how this works and I don't. And like, am I good enough to try? Right? Like, those are big problems for poker is a profession. And then poker sites is like, well, people need to know how this works. They're, they're not just born knowing. So that's kind of, that is what we, we do basically is, is make it humanize it, you know, create a community of people that are interested and hopefully they are interested in us as people and they might develop an interest in the game over time. Um, so Twitch is a great spot to do that. You know, live streaming, talking one-to-one, you got the chat interaction. People can ask anything they want about hmm. poker strategy or anything, you know, and we can just hang out. I play poker. We chat. Like it's, it's a good way, I think, to introduce people. That's awesome. How, so how, do, how do folks find you on those, on those platforms? I go by poker staples on Twitch. I'm either poker staples or Jamie staples all over the internet. I'm, I'm on all the platforms. Um, so you, you can go to twitch.tv slash poker staples and I'll be there, you know, two to five days a week, depending on what's going on. Um, and you, if you just make an account, you can ask any sort of question and, and I'm happy to answer, uh, answer you there. 
or if you're more like you don't have the time for for longer streams you can always check out youtube or facebook um i'm poker staples on both of those and we take an eight hour stream and turn it into 20 minutes so that it's a little huh. bit easier to you know to 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 get if you've got you know a lot of responsibilities and, and a family and a job and all that then <clears throat> like fair enough you know you can check out the 20 minute highlight and and ask some questions in the comments there and a short attention span Yes. <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. If you want to bite size, yeah, you can, you can go to one of the shorter ones. <laughs> yeah. Yep, like myself. Um, so like what are, like if you could, what are maybe one or two keys to uh, your success as a professional poker player? Mm. So I think um, like consistent effort over time, I think it takes a lot of time in of practicing, playing, and learning to get good. So time is, is a big aspect. And I think just, you know, I've been working on my poker craft for 12 years and I still have room to go. So time in, I think is important. And ability to like apply that, that mental game to positive and negative results, I think is probably my greatest strength from my specific as a poker pro, you know, something that I have over other poker pros is being able to deal with that well and spend time and not hate the game, <laughs> you know, sure. when you have bad things happen. So, you know, it's, it's the same in, in golf as well. It's the same mindset, which is focus on your shot. When the shot's over, you focus on the next shot, like really just in the moment, decision-based um, kind of thing. So I'd say those two things are probably the most important as to why I'm, I'm still doing it. So interesting. And the comparison to golf, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So, Jamie, at what stage could you say you are <laughs> no longer an amateur and you can say you're a pro as opposed to I play a professional on TV? I mean, how do you actually get that player's card that says, I am professional? I mean, what constitutes that? Yeah, there, there, is no, there is no player card. And ah. that's a problem that we sort of have. That's the thing, right? Right. Is there's, you know, the, there's someone, like I said, I'm just going to use Ukraine again as an example. You know, the, the average cost of living for, for a month in Ukraine might be $600 US or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone's making $1,200, that's like a really good living. Uh, yeah. in Ukraine, whereas that's not going to fly in Southern California. You know? It's <laughs> no. not going to fly in Sweden. No. It's just not happening. So you, so the money is relative around the world, mm -hmm. which is a problem with defining what a professional poker player is. And then let's take, you know, a really high stakes guy. Um, like there was a really uh, high stakes player and he lost millions of dollars but against the very best players in the world, like number one, number two, number three, right? Mm. So that guy can mop the floors with everyone around the world, except for just these few guys. He lost money. Is he a poker pro? Mm. I mean, it's what he dedicated his full time to, right? right. He'd obviously oh. made a lot of money in the game. So these are the problems that we have and that the goals are not always the same right. for people in the game. And then the money is relative as well. So it's kind of, it's like a choose your own adventure. Like, you know, if all you're doing is playing poker and like you're managing to, to live and eat, like, all right, I guess you're a poker pro. Sure. You know, yeah. like I'll give you the stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. Some people might uh, not respect it, but that's kind of the way I look at it. So, so is there something to be said about being sponsored 
making you a professional or do they hand those out these days? It definitely lends credibility, right? Yeah. But I think sponsors have really turned towards more communities and content than poker skill. You know, like they're not looking at players they, and saying, yeah. well, that guy's good. They want outreach. They want exactly. return on investment on their, on their sponsor for sure. That, that guy's got a big podcast, you know, it's not as good as the geoholics podcast, but it's all right. So we'll <laughs> yeah. sponsor him. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thought process. So mm-hmm. to Joe Schmo, I think it, it lends credibility, but it doesn't really change the reality of, of poker skill. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. So, so you have to, you like really brand yourself. So I have to imagine that like the, the social media presence plays a, a huge role. Is that, is that, is that a correct statement? For sponsorship, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I was kind of one of the first guys to recognize that, oh, this is going to be a thing. You know, like Twitch is here and YouTube and, hey, no one is streaming poker. No one is making poker YouTube online videos. Like, And that's that's how I went from, you know, a small and mid-stakes kind of player just getting by to sponsored. You know, it took about five months after I started streaming to be, to be signed to sponsorship. So it totally changed things for me because I think that's, that's just the reality we live in, you know, and there's a lot of great poker players, but not as many that can stream and create content. So yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. So I've got one more like play related question. Um, are there like certain players that, you know, you've played maybe over and over again on a fairly regular basis that maybe they have your number or you have their number is is there such a thing there is like not in the sense of what people would think of of uh uh this guy he's just always you know he's <laughs> he always wins hands against me of course that happens sometimes but really really high level poker like at the top of the game what's happening is that people are mixing their strategies they're trying to play in a way where you can't figure out what they're doing and exploit them so they might do something like raise a hand 70% of the time mm. and limp it 30%, right? In a really high level scenario. This is not what I would advise new poker players to do. If you're coming into the pot, just raise the pot, right? But high level poker. They'll, and they'll hit that 70-30 really great to where they are correctly mixing the strategies where you just can't figure out what it is they're doing. Those are the toughest guys for me is when they've, they've come to an answer and they implement it so well that they don't leave any holes for you to attack. There's no way you can get them. The only way you're going to get them is you get lucky. You can't exploit them. Mm. Those are the toughest guys. And there's some guys like that online that I just can't figure out where the hole is in their armor to get an edge. Like, I just can't. They don't have one. I don't think they're just good, man. They're yeah. good. Crazy. <laughs> so, like, as you're analyzing, you know, these different things, do you like, do you like have a book, like your 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 poker bible, where you write all these different notes and statistics down, or do you literally just kind of keep them keep them in your head and uh, go over them over and over again? Just my head, and if I play a hand where I'm not sure what if I what I did was good, I'll usually take a photo of it, <laughs> and then you can use like different poker calculators where you ask it a specific question, right? You have to make some assumptions of, I think this is what my opponent's range of cards looks like. They're going to have all these cards here. And here are my cards. You know, did I do something good based on that assumption? And they'll say, yeah, you did. Or like, no, you should have done something different. Mm -hmm. So it's, 
it's not the answers, but it, based on your, your assumption, this is the answer if your assumption is correct, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of what studying ends up being for high level poker players. Yeah. And wow. because the level you're playing at too, are you playing a lot against the, the same people on a daily basis? I can't imagine that the pool of, of players to grab out of at this level is, is very large. Is it? It's still global. So, I mean, on, on party poker, we'll get, you know, 25 or 26,000 players on a, on a Sunday. Um, so I don't know how many that is a month, but there's still a lot of poker players at the highest stakes. It's a small pool. You know, you'll know most of the guys that are in there. You'll, you'll see some people that qualified that usually play smaller stakes. They're in there for their shot. And then you might have some random accounts. You don't know who that is, mm-hmm. but most of the people you've, you've seen again and again, and you kind of know yeah, God, that, that player knows what they're doing. Yeah, you ever have that feeling to where like you see a guy that like just really dealt you something bad, and he's back again, and you kind of just keep tabs on these guys? Uh, not really like that. Like I'm not afraid of anyone when it comes to poker. Like you could sit me down at any six-handed table, and I'm gonna feel fine playing against whoever it is because it's just humans, and like you're still gonna win hands against the best player in the world. That's the beauty of poker. Mm. It's not like basketball where you're never going to get a point you know or baseball where you're never going to contact the ball when they pitch like you're going to win hands against phil ivy and danny negranu um so i don't get intimidated really like that it's just like it's that armor thing again it's just like where can i attack them so yeah. interesting I, I just something came to mind like as far as the online game goes so at the higher level, I mean, can you play like anonymously or do people know that it's Jamie Staples or it's so-and-so? Some, some sites have anonymous uh, tables. Party Poker has a screen name and you can obviously keep that private to where no one knows what your screen name is, if you'd like. Mm. Um, and then they also have real name tournaments where you actually play with a person's real name like on their passport. So you know exactly who it is you're playing against yep. and like, oh, I know, you know, Bill and Bobby or whatever. So sure. there's both options on party poker for screen name or real name. You don't let a celebrity poker player psych you out because at the end of the day, it's math and it's the turn of the cards and, and the odds you're playing with, right? Exactly. So, I'm not afraid. Sit me down with anyone. I mean, they might be better than me. I could definitely lose money. I guess, I guess that does spawn a question of who is the most popular or most celebrity player you have been able to, the pleasure of playing with? Himself. Yeah. <laughs> get it right come on dumb question I, I've played with some of the TV guys mostly online so not a, but I, I've played with Antonio Esfandiari in a game and mm. Phil Locke and Daniel Negreanu and Phil Hummel. oh wow you did play with Phil and Danny that's awesome yep yep yeah I played on Poker Night in America I think I was on that game that was mm. six years ago uh, it was a 10:25 game. I won 30k in the game wow. over two days, <laughs> which was great because I was definitely one of the worst at that table. Wow. But it went well for me. So, did yeah. you knock any of those guys out? No. Oh they man, that would have been awesome. They're never running out of money. Those guys. No. I mean, I'm never gonna knock them out of the game. <laughs> but six years later, if you were to play them again, would you do better, or you don't know? Against Phil Helmuth, I would <laughs> do better now. Um, Against Daniel Negreanu, I wouldn't. Daniel Negreanu just did a heads-up match against one of the best heads-up no-limit players in the world. He lost uh, by a bit, but he held his own, right? And this is a specialist online player 
you know, six years into playing. So Daniel Negreanu has gotten a lot better over six years. Mm-hmm. Phil Hamuth has probably gotten a little bit better, but not not to the same rate. So was that uh, Bill Perkins you're talking about playing heads this up? This is a different heads up. No. Oh, okay. Okay. No. Yeah, Bill Perkins is just a, plays poker for fun. He's he's a businessman, and poker is his hobby, basically. So nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, gosh, I mean, I I don't have any more. Do you got anything there, uh, Mr. Taylor? I had just I'd just like to know how to play poker. Yeah, <laughs> I have no clue. What the hell's a turn? Last time I was yeah. at the casino, the guys look check that river out. I'm like, where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. the lazy There's river. A lot of <laughs> yeah. yeah. If uh, anyone wants to learn poker, feel free to drop by my my Twitch channel, uh, Poker Staples. I will on on Twitch, and I'm I'm happy to answer. There's a four minute delay because obviously I'm playing real money tournaments. So if my opponents can see my cards, I'm going to lose all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but ask any question you like. There's a lot of lingo. Like I said, it's intimidating. You know, pre-flop, flop, turn, river. What are all these terms? I know. Once you get it, the game is beautiful. It's simple to understand. Just a couple minutes, you'll get the basics. And then you have a whole lifetime to try and figure out how to actually get good at it. Um, I'd like, like to leave well. understanding what <laughs> the turn is. Because I know what the flop and the river is. Turns right it. after the flop. I want to talk oh, to sorry. a specialist. Thank you. <laughs> the, the professional. The, the professional. professional, yes. The, I know he's been talking about Twitch. He's got an ailment. <laughs> so I got that figured out. But what's the turn, mate? The turn is the fourth community card. Let's start from the beginning of the hand. Yes. Let's just walk through a okay. typical hand. I think it's a great okay. idea. Yeah. Okay. So we, we are at a poker table. Yeah. And let's say there's eight people there. We would say we're eight-handed. Okay. okay. Eight-handed at the poker table. Mm-hmm. And let's say we're first person at the poker table. Yep. That we would actually be called under the gun. <clears throat> you know, like the gun. Oh. under the gun. So we look down at our whole cards. That's the two cards that we are dealt. And then we can either raise or we can call or we can fold. Got a it. call is matching the minimum amount. Oh, a that's fold. throwing the chips in. Yeah. Okay. Throwing the chips in for the minimum you're allowed. Right. A fold means I'm going to give my hand away. I don't even want to put in the minimum. Mm-hmm. And then a raise is I'm going to make it more than the minimum and force everyone else to pay more. Got it. So those are the three options we have, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say we raise, which would be a good strategy. We don't really want to just call very often and pay the minimum. We usually want to force other people to put some money in or get out of there. Or get right? out, right. So we raise. And it goes around and let's say one person calls. Okay. So they decide to match that and we go to the flop. Now the flop is three cards that are put in the middle of the table. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets to use those cards with their hand. So got remember, it. we've got two cards in front of us. Three on the table. We've now got a five-card hand. There's another betting round where we can either decide to bet or to check and say, your turn, you know, I pass. So let's say it goes check and then check. Now we see the turn, which you asked about, which is one card. Uh... It's the fourth community card. There's another betting round, either a check or bet, right? So let's say they bet $5. We decide to call. We're going to pay that. And now we go to the river, the fifth card, one card. We've got five cards on the board out on the table. Mm-hmm. We've got two cards in our hand. Mm-hmm. So we've got seven cards to choose from and we make the best five card hand possible. Mm. The other person decides what to do. Better check. Let's say they check. We decide to check as well. We'll just say we're done with the hand. Let's see, turn the cards up and the best five card hand wins. 
And that's a hand of poker. Wow. So that's well a- said. Yeah, it's perfect. He makes it sound so simple, doesn't he? He actually makes it sound very sexy. You know what? I think I'm going to go home and play some poker. I'm 1,000% playing some (laughs) poker tonight. You guys should. I want to say, like, I want to see you guys play poker. You should get a home game going or something. We should do a a four-handed tournament. You see what I did there? Four-handed. That's it. You learned it. That's pretty good. I like it. So, okay, can you actually win against yourself playing poker? What do you mean, win against yourself? Well, I don't have anybody to play with. Oh, you're going to play with yourself? Uh, I didn't say that. You were being rude. <laughs> that's what the online community is for. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. No, it. that's not the online communities he's used to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a little different. Leave my midgets out. Oh, man. Uh, PJ, you got anything else? Yeah, I had one last one for yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Is it. there a particular hand, um, your favorite hand, something, a hand that you remember you won large on or something that really means something to you that when you get it, you're like, oh, here we go, and you're raising uh, before the flop. There's not a, a specific two hole cards that, that we have. You know, aces are always so fun to look down at because you're like, okay, this is a hand where I could win a lot of money. This is the best hand in poker. Like, I'm excited, right? And hopefully our face doesn't say I'm excited. <laughs> One of my favorite hands to play would be Jack-10 suited. Uh, and the reason for that is it can make some really strong hands when there's a lot of money. You can make a straight when the, when the board, the flop, is ace, king, queen, right? Now, if your opponent is, is excited about their hand, they're going to have hands like aces and kings and queens and ace, king, and ace, queen. So when we flop a straight, we've got a really sneaky hand where they might lose a lot of money because they think they've got the goods, right? Yeah, the oh. nuts. Then that's another exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's why Jack-10 is so fun because you can make some big straights and some flushes that really get a lot of money from your opponents. So that's a fun one. Yeah. And then actually, I just thought of one more last one real quick. Royal Flush. How many have you had, if any, or how many have you seen? About 15 or so. Okay. About 15. Wow. I have one this year. You had one this year? Yeah. That's crazy. So, so what usually happens? I mean, your opponents have to know that you you're most likely hold, right. Like, it, because of the community cards and what's being shown, it, do you get red on that, uh, or is that do you win those hands? Well, I, th- I think the, you know, the after you understand the rules of the game and the lingo, right? That's really the next level of poker and where it gets really really fun is when you start to hand read, okay. So I'll, I'll give you a really basic example of why we can't just put our opponent on one hand. So let's say that we're at that eight-handed table again, and they raise. They're the first person to act, and they decide to raise, and they make it $4, let's say, right? So if we're thinking, what do we want to do with, against this? We want to think about what sort of hands they can have in that situation. Now, I think we can all agree they're going to be able to have aces, right? They're going to raise with aces. It's the best hand over. But they're also going to have kings too, for sure. We know that 100%, which means we've got a range of hands. We can't just put them on one because the likelihood that they have aces and kings are the same. Yeah. So now all of a sudden we look at all the hands in poker and we think about what are all the hands that we expect they could reasonably play here? And that's, we, we read them based on a range of hands, not just one specific hand. And that's where poker gets complex, but super fun and interesting to think about. They have aces, they have kings, they have some top pairs, they have some flush draws, they have some straight draws. How does her hand do against all these things? 
Mm-hmm. And how does my hand do against the, all of these other hands? Exactly. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going back to fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I lose with my kids on that one, too. All yeah, right. <laughs> or war. Did you ever play war when yeah. you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so oh, great. Oh, my gosh. Well, hey, Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Before we let you go, um, first of all, is there anything that we haven't touched on that maybe you want to get out there? No, it's been absolutely great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, I mean, just come check me out on Twitch. Uh, my name on Twitch is Poker Staples, um, twitch.tv slash Poker Staples, and, and I stream poker there. So any questions you may have, if you're interested in the game at all, hit me up, and that's what I'm here for. That's what I do. So it's been a pleasure, guys, and thank you for letting me uh, babble on about my favorite thing. It's been awesome. Yeah, it sure has, absolutely. So we have one question that we ask every single one of our, our guests, and uh, I, I, I would like to think that you being a professional poker player, you're going to have a pretty interesting answer to this. Do you have a mantra that you live by? Whew. Blue is mind. That's <laughs> tough, man. I mean, there's so many, like there's so many things, right? There was one that you said earlier, uh, focus on what you can influence. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, that yeah. was a great one. I think, I think when it comes to performance, and I, I would caution in that I say, I don't think it's always the most enjoyable way to live life with everything, right? Sometimes it's nice to get emotional and swing and get excited about things. But if you're really, really worried about performance, focus on your input and not the output. Getting caught in the output is a complete waste of time. Wow. Focus on the input. Focus on your input. That's it. Yeah. I like it. I I, I think that that might be mantra gold. Yep. <laughs> Focus on your input, not the output. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jamie. Thanks again so much for being here. We really appreciate it. I'm just really good stuff that I really enjoyed Absolutely. this conversation. It was amazing. Uh, and I can't wait to get more involved with poker and uh, with the different uh, platforms that you're on for sure. Cheers. Thanks, All guys. Right. Absolutely. All right. Thank you again for listening and for your continued support. Check out our friends of the program, as many of them are now offering promos exclusively for Geoholics listeners. Feel free to send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any suggested topics or would like to be a guest on a future show with over 45,000 listeners. This is an awesome platform to talk about whatever you're passionate about. As always, look for ways you can pay it forward. Bank some good karma. Be a good human, Mark. Yes. Happy Play a good happy human. Life. Yep. <laughs> Play some poker. And remember to you get what you give. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and healthy. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.